So welcome back to Good and Grounded. Uh, if you listened to part one of our corporate social responsibility episode, the roundtable, uh, you know that the conversation was very robust and we had enough conversation, we didn't wanna leave any on the editing floor, that we wanted to give it two parts. And so um, thank you for continuing to listen to part two here. Uh, without further ado, we'll get right back into the conversation. A couple of our team members sat in on some South by Southwest interactive sessions this year. It was all virtual, but one of them that I got to sit in on was a, a Ben and Jerry's and one of their, um, I guess the people that make all the brownies for their ice cream, a company called Grayston out of New Jersey. Um, and they were talking about CSR and, and one of the things they brought up was just purpose washing or you know whatever you want to call it, where companies may seem altruistic, but it's not really authentic. Um, and I think you all, you all three touched on that. The, the bigger thing they mentioned in that session was, um, you know, this has tangible benefits on the business's bottom line as well, uh, whether people want to admit it or not. You know, in, in when it comes to recruitment of talent, employees, um, retention of talent and, and employees. Uh, but then also, you know, uh, there are statistics out there that say millennials, Gen Y, Gen Z prefer to work for and buy from companies with a higher purpose uh, and, and that those that exercise responsible business practices. Um, I'm interested in hearing what trends you're seeing along those lines with your companies, with your organizations, as far as, um, you know, do people come to you and say, I want to work for you because of the good that you do? And do people buy your products or work with you specifically because of your CSR programs? And maybe, Kayla, you haven't started yet, so I'll throw it to you first, but um, I know beer is just a little bit different. I don't necessarily decide to buy beer because they're good, but hey, if, it, if it's something good, then, I, you know, I may drink that beer. But it, do you see tangible benefits from your CSR programs in that way? And and just so we're all clear, Jim definitely took advantage of your products during this last pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I can definitely speak to the um, millennial Gen Z as a Millennial consumer myself, I have definitely made decisions uh, really based on purpose and cause. And we have absolutely seen that. And so I think for us, we have our, our Molson Coors work that we do, our, our, our social responsibility, our social impact, and our community affairs work. But we also are representing all of our brands. And our brands stand for so much. And we've really seen this pivot over the last year plus and really what our brands are standing for. And so just last year, we rolled out Coors Seltzer, which the mission of Coors Seltzer is to restore America's rivers. Uh, Coors Banquet really works to um, protect the West and um, has a very strong relationship with our, um, our, wildland fire, our wildland firefighters. So all of our brands are connected to a cause or a purpose or really something that is impactful to kind of what our consumers in that space are, are utilizing, are drinking, um, that we know of. And so I think it's very important and we're only gonna continue to see this as our generations have, have changed and let us know that we want to be supporting a company that makes a stand for something good. Adib, a little bit different in your in your shoes with um, the foundation and the fact that it's Delta Dental of Colorado. But um, what what do you see when it comes to either employees uh, recruitment retention or um, the customer base of Delta Dental? Is are there benefits tangibly in in those areas? 
Yeah, I think it, it definitely presents itself in a number of different ways. Uh, I've heard directly from employees who said that one of the reasons they wanted to come work at Delta Dental was because of our commitment to community and our CSR program. Uh, so I think that's definitely a huge part of it. What's been interesting is that um, we've been really listening to our team members throughout this last year, obviously probably in a more frequent sense with everybody working remotely and gaining a pulse on how people are feeling. And one of the consistent themes that we've heard over and over again in those pulse surveys is how much our team members appreciate working for a company that has such a commitment to giving back to the community, a commitment for sustainability. Uh, so in the retention standpoint, we uh, have a lot of data that backs up why our CSR program is a critical component towards keeping our people uh, and, and, and finding the right people, the people who want to work for a mission-driven organization. Uh, you know, and then on the customer side, this last year with COVID obviously presenting a number of challenges, we took a very bold step last year. We, we put out a, essentially a $30 million relief package um, as part of our statewide approach to COVID. 16 million of that was in the form of premium rebates. Uh, oral healthcare got shut down, as we all know, for about 12 weeks. So what we did was we essentially gave that money back to our companies for the months of April and May in the form of premium rebates. Uh, no one else did that. And so, uh, you know, there was a challenge with that because in, in some situations, the money saved by some of our competitors that was money that they were able to use to go out and acquire new business. Uh, but in reality, what we heard over and over again from so many companies was how much that was appreciated, how much that was critical. And then when we see in some of the renewals, we saw that that was stated time and time again as a critical component in the renewal process. So, I mean, these are just uh, some small examples on how it manifests itself. But, um, you know, we look across Colorado, uh, our commitment to Colorado permeates across the entire state uh, and the amount of resources that we're dedicated, the time, energy and resources that we're dedicated to ensuring that Colorado is the best state it can be speaks volumes. Uh, and, you know, if you ever want to look at what the business case is around CSR, just watch the Super Bowl because you will see more Super Bowl commercials dedicated to a company's CSR and purpose than you will see on other subjects and, and, and it's growing each year. So I've been watching it, the commercials for the past six or seven years, and I can tell you each year, there's progressively more commercials during the Super Bowl for a company really promoting their give back, and they wouldn't be spending that kind of money promoting that if it didn't have a good effect on, on customers and, and talent. Yeah, it's amazing how far it's come. I remember um, I, I did a, a guest column for a business journal way back, like 2004 or something, and it was when I had first found out about and read about Keen Footwear and how they were doing kind of their one for one kind of, you know, campaign where it's like, oh, this company sells, you know, outdoor footwear, but they're also giving footwear to people in need at, in third world countries and what have you. And I, it just blew my mind. You know, this is like 20, you know, whatever, 20 years ago. And I'm just like, man, this is like the future of business. And to your point, pretty much every single Super Bowl ad now focuses on the, the corporate social responsibility aspects of a business. Um, Katie, I'll, I'll let you answer as well. I mean, obviously, the tangible benefits, you talked about some of the programs that you have in, in workforce development, that, that's obvious with, with your employee base. Um, what, about, what about our case customers? Um, do you see anything there when it comes to um, people wanting and seeking out to work with RK from, from that standpoint because of their 
attention to community? Definitely. I think um, just like most companies, a lot of our customers and our customers are big general contractors generally, they are cause driven as well or have a component of it. So they'll ask us to support an event they're they're putting on to raise funds or be a part of something. So we definitely see that. Occasionally we see um, sometimes in a bid, we'll have to include some of our CSR in there. Perhaps it's how many volunteer hours we've given t- um, throughout the year or is it what the foundation has given. So we do see that as part of what our customers are interested in because being in a construction company, we're impacting the physical community and changing the our environment in terms of a physical standpoint of these enormous buildings that we are and they're changing our landscape. So it's important for our company and construction companies in general to be good community partners and impact the the other parts of our community, not just the landscape or the skyline. So the, it is important and it is part of, uh, and I'm always interested to see when there's a list coming out of what um, organizations are giving back to the community, either monetarily or in other ways. And and a lot of times construction companies are, are part of that. So I would definitely say that's an important component. And I think there's different approaches to it. Um, I'll just mention um, really quickly is the RK Foundation. We're funded by recycling our scrap metal that's created in our shops and in if, if there's equipment that we tear out and replace. And so I know that that's important to our employees because they play a part in it, that they recycle everything. And then we use that. It's a commodity that we sell, and that goes into our foundation. So I know that our employees are driven by that, and they appreciate that the company does that, and they give back to the community. So it's sort of everyone becomes invested in it, and it's just a great sort of way of being sustainable but also impacting our community as well. I was um, just as a side, I was on a CSR, a B-Civic CSR roundtable, and two of the um, leaders at Swoozy had said that there was a new, um, I guess, data that came out in April that the current estimated national value of each volunteer hour is $28.54, which I had never seen a national number put on volunteer hours, but it it was sort of interesting when you mentioned your volunteer hours that you give back. Now we at least have a, there's a number for everything, right? Yeah. And when we've done things at the community, um, at Food Bank of the Rockies, and at the end of it, they'll say, okay, for your three hours or whatever it might be times the number of people, here's how many food meals you helped get out the door today. And so those kind of metrics are great. And I know our employees love to, to know that. So I hadn't seen that number about the, uh, the direct impact on volunteer hours. But, you know, I think not only does it build that connection and help build a company culture, but then I, I think it connects the company to, it makes it more than just a job. It gives it a, a bigger meaning and it makes an impact in their lives and their families' lives. So they're not just going to a job, they're going to a company and they're building their career and they're part of something bigger. So I think that's an important part. And that's sort of that intangible, that's hard to get a metric or, I mean, you could obviously look at retention, but I think it's that part of you feel good about going to work for a company that does things in the community. And we can tell through our website and, you know, obviously in the clicks and the pages, people where they go and where they spend time. We look at that and you'll often see when it comes to the foundation, RK Cares, that has, it definitely, um, people stop and read through that. That's awesome. 
Yeah, we just, shameless plug, we just won a telly award for some of our work, uh, for some of our video work. And um, I t- just telling somebody, it's always fun to win awards for work, but it's even more fun when you win it for something that's very altruistic or something that has a societal impact. And we, uh, this campaign we were doing was for CDHS and their, their Cover Kids uh, Child Abuse and Neglect Hotline. And it's just like, you know, yeah, it's cool to win awards, but it's even cooler when you can be recognized for a program that has that kind of community impact, um, or at least uh, on a section of the community that we, that we live in. So, um, okay, quick break. Um, we're going to shake things up. We, we've done this before on roundtables. We're just going to ask some lightning round questions. So it's just going to be some random questions to get to know you personally a little bit better. I'll start with Adib and then we'll go Katie and Kayla for each one. Um, and I'll, I'll start with my own answer to this first one, just so I'm not putting you on the spot too much, Adib. But the first question was just, do you have a favorite nonprofit that you've recently discovered in Colorado in the past few years outside of your own foundation? Um, and this past year, our team has volunteered a couple times for Food for Thought Denver, and we've had such a good time with that organization and just what they do and, and filling backpacks for kids to give them um, food necessities over the weekend. It's just been a fun, a great organization to kind of stumble upon during a pandemic. Adib, how about you? Well, I'm trying to get the exact name because there is an organization and I don't want to misname them. Um, but yes, the Colorado Village Collaborative, which has really worked to try and address the homeless issue that we've obviously seen here in Denver and something that's continued to grow, but they're essentially responsible for creating these safe outdoor spaces for um, our homeless community. And I think we have two locations now that they're operating in the city of Denver. You may have seen them, these kind of tent villages that are existing near the downtown area. And so just with the support services that they're able to offer, and then also overcoming so much kind of advocacy issues and people who are kind of the NIMBY population. Uh, but that's a great organization. Very cool. Katie, how about you? Well, I'm not going to, I am going to copy you, but also Food for Thought Denver. Um, it's not a recent, um, we've been, I've been involved with them for a while and bringing groups to volunteer. And part of, um, I love the way that they were able to keep going through the pandemic. And so we would have small groups of individuals and we would volunteer and Every time I bring some a group down there, they're hooked and they want to come back and they they start volunteering. And we actually had one of our employees from RK Steel and he brought his drone and he did this cool video of the group and volunteering. And it is just you get pumped up and you're having fun and you're doing and it goes fast and you've made such an impact in a short period of time. So I, I love them and um, we continue to support them. Yeah, who knew people could have that much energy at 7 a.m. on a on a Friday, right? <laughs> yeah, under an overpass. Yeah, off of Colfax. Yeah. How about you, Kayla? So not a new organization, but I would say Girls Inc. They launched a new um, program or initiative. I'd say that's called Girls Think Outside the Box. And so I think for me, more than anything, it has been amazing to watch nonprofits over the last year how they have transitioned during this time. And so I think like it's already hard to pick one organization, but um, Girls Think Outside the Box is a monthly subscription box that they are sending to all the girls' homes for them to still be engaged with dance and movement and learning activities. So very similar to all the subscription boxes that I think people have really taken on and loved. And, you know, there's some for something for everyone Girls Inc. did that for their girls, knowing that it was very important that they still had the connectivity of the interactions with the girls. And and when you're, you know, missing that time together and you're on Zoom, 
still being a way to kind of do all the same activities together and film it. Um, and the girls were their own little influencers by opening the box and seeing what was inside for the month. So it has just been amazing to see the transition. Okay, so I will also put myself on the spot for the next question. Um, and then Adib, I'll throw it to you. But what quirky talent do you possess that not a lot of people know about? <laughs> so, uh, I will say that I am an excellent parallel partner. See, I thought you were going to go with Miss Pac-Man player, but I know, but I, you yeah. know about that, and everyone knows about <laughs> That's true. that. So That's I'd hate true. to brag about it anymore. Uh, quirky talent. Um, I no, I want to go to some of these go-to's, but they're not quirky. So I'll say uh, I would. I'm really good at sports trivia. Perfect. All right, Katie. Wow, that that one throws me off. Um, I. I think I would say um, I'm good at piping sugar cookies, but I bake a lot, so I bring those in for people. So I guess that's not super quirky, but um, I obsessively watch baking shows. So I continue. I think it's quirky. I like okay. it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Kayla? I would say I love making a good spreadsheet. Like, I'm not one for the formulas. Like, don't ask me for complex things. But I can knock out a really organized spreadsheet, and um, that that is that is very odd. But Jim, I think, has also seen. No, it I was just going to say I, co I co-chair a committee with Kayla, and I can vouch that she has some mad spreadsheet skills. Um, okay, one more uh, personal lightning round uh, question before we move on. Um, what's your go-to karaoke song? And if you don't like karaoke, gun to head, what would you sing if you had to sing a karaoke song? <laughs> you first, Jim. Oh, uh, well, my, mine, uh, oddly enough, as a, uh, a white guy from Iowa is Bust a Move by um, Young MC. Uh, I know every word. I can nail it. Uh, brings the house down every time. By, by house, he <laughs> means his own personal house that he lives himself. I get excited about it. Yes, that's true. I cannot carry a tune. I'm the worst singer that's ever existed. So this is really hard for me. Um, if I had to pick one, I because I've been singing this song a lot recently, it's not really karaoke, but Stand By Me, my put when I put my son, uh, son down to bed, we sing that song together. So Awesome. All right, Katie. Oh, yeah. I, my kids are so mortified whenever I sing. So And I sing a lot, but I, I sort of don't know the all the words to any song. So I, you know, fill in and mumble a lot. Um, uh, karaoke, it would have to be some kind of 80s, The Cure or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't have a great answer for this one because I just sing all the time and none of it is very good. So <laughs> I haven't karaoke in a while either. So maybe that's, uh, I need to. You could do like living on a prayer. That one you can just kind of yell and it works, you know? <laughs> yep, see. Good. Thank you for filling my answer in. I appreciate that. <laughs> Kayla, how about you? I can't believe you guys don't have like a go-to list of karaoke songs. I mean, I would for sure, A Whole New World from, you know, taking it back old school to Disney. Aladdin is my number one go-to. Um, gotta have a great karaoke partner. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's my husband, but if he doesn't make the cut that round, then I'll, <laughs> I'll go with someone else. But that's for sure my go-to. Love it. All right. I will share mine because I also like a deep. I cannot carry a tune. 
But if I have great backup singers, I would say Sweet Caroline. That's another one that everybody can sing along to. I love it. Right. That's why you always get backup singers. You know, if you're failing, everybody knows the words. So you've got help. <laughs> always. Um, okay. Thank you guys for the, the digression. Um, back to the CSR stuff. I know when, when we were talking ahead of time and planning um, co the conversation, one of the things that came up, and I think one of the things that is top of mind for a lot of people who are managing or making decisions related to CSR is um, metrics and measurement, um, you know, of, of programs uh, and how they tie back to bigger organizational goals and things like that. Um, can you talk to what your organization or companies do to track success, to put, you know, stakes in the ground, milestones uh, when it comes to your CSR programs? And maybe, Katie, I'll start with you. Yeah, definitely. We um, are not super sophisticated in terms of measuring our CSR impact, but we'll, we'll do things um, measuring how many hours we've given, how the funds that we've given, percentages in terms of the, the three core values, uh, pillars that we have of education, community development, and health. And looking at that year on year, um, what we're able to do more in. So, and, and I think that all ties back to that community, that employee engagement and retention. We do exit interviews whenever we can. If somebody leaves a company and, and those are part of the, you know, the why and trying to get to the root of it. But I, I think in terms of, um, us and metrics, it's about, um, and obviously last year was a hard year to sort of benchmark, but, um, really employee engagement, who shows up and who's coming to things and who's participating. So that is uh, one of the metrics that we would use. That's great. It's nice to have options that aren't, you know, completely quantitative too with, the, with some of these things to say success can take multiple forms. Um, Kayla, how about you? I know you guys do, Molson Coors does so much, um, but are there specific uh, measurement aspects or metrics that you're looking at when it comes to all of the, the CSR components that you're, you're working on? Yeah, definitely. I would say, you know, one big area is, of course, our, our, our corporate investments in our communities and, and where they're going, how it's being utilized, but also looking at the outputs of our investments. Um, next is really around that employee engagement as well. We, 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 we have a volunteer and employee giving program, a match program as well. So part of that is not just um, tracking what our employees are involved in, but also how our company is supporting our employees as well, um, which is a little bit different for us than just our, our general um, corporate donations. So we track our employee volunteer hours and our employee giving program, um, which also equates to the match. Um, and then we also have our, you know, from, from our global sustainability side, our, our ESG reporting, our sustainability reporting, um, very much lots of stakeholder engagement that we, we have in many different facets. But I'd say from our community um, level, it really is kind of our, our employees and our charitable contributions. Awesome. And Adib, with yours, I know, I mean, the concept of access to oral health care could probably go both ways as well as far as quantitative and qualitative a little bit. What 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 kind of stakes in the ground does Delta Dental Foundation of Colorado put for 
measuring metric? Yeah, and on the foundation side, we have a partnership with the Colorado Health Institute, which is essentially our evaluation partner. So anytime we're working with a grantee, part of that working relationship includes some engagement with CHI, who can help really evaluate everything that we're doing holistically. And we put out an impact report uh, with regards to oral health and our work in it each year, and it addresses a number of issues, like you said. Uh, going forward, we're actually really heavily investing into our evaluation work. Uh, on the foundation side, uh, we're, we're, we're actually engaging and kicking off three new initiatives this year. Uh, the first one is really around workforce diversity. Uh, oral health care is not very diversely represented, and so we're essentially starting a 10-year engagement around uh, creating more opportunities for BIPOC populations uh, to be able to engage into the workforce and have access to it. Um, so again, a lot of evaluation on how we're moving the needle in that space. Uh, we're also looking at our place-based initiative, which we kind of understand that we cannot address access and utilization uh, of oral health care services across the entire state. So we're focusing on a rural population as well as an urban population uh, with the San Luis Valley and kind of the Aurora Corridor as our two targets where we can go deep long-term and hopefully over time measure the impact and the difference we're having on populations there. And then the third initiative we're launching is really around prevention within the early childhood community. Can we provide access and care in early childhood settings uh, so that our kids get on the right start when it comes to oral health care habits? Uh, because actually oral health care is a huge issue for kids and kids miss more days of school because of oral health issues than anything else. Um, and so we're really looking at those and going deep from an evaluation standpoint on each. Uh, but on the company side, we're definitely tracking all of our investments. We're tracking our volunteer hours. This year, we actually also just launched a new three-year initiative uh, for our sustainability efforts. We are hoping to go carbon neutral by the end of 2023. And so that includes measuring all of our carbon impact. We actually are testing a new software system that'll even measure travel to and from work and have us opportunities to purchase carbon offsets for some of that. That includes air travel as well as road travel and looking at everything we're doing. So we have a lot to do in those two years, but we're measuring against our entire carbon footprint and looking for both uh, recs and offsets to reduce that uh, impact. Um, so there's a number of different ways we're doing it. Um, and then we, we kind of do all of the basic metrics on our impact with regards to volunteerism and our financial commitments of our it's team. It's exciting and daunting all at the same time to hear you talk, <laughs> to hear you talk about that. It's a lot of work. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of work, but we have honestly a really great team. We're actually building our team this year. Um, and so we have a whole separate foundation team that kind of works independently. We're a separate 501c3. Um, and we have a board which has members of the company as well as community members. Uh, and then we have a CSR team with myself and Andrea Miller who are able to really go deep on all of the company initiatives. Well, you sort of, it's a perfect segue to our last question for this group, but um, you mentioned going carbon neutral. And, and to me, that speaks to the future of CSR and what, what it will look like. I guess for all of you, when you think about the future of CSR for your company or maybe in the broader sense for the community as a whole, what is the future of CSR? What sort of innovative things do you see, you know, in the next five or 10 years that we have to look forward to? Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think sustainability is obviously a huge issue as a whole. And every company is, I think one of the reasons with the way I talked about it when I came to Delta Dental was not so much to focus on the climate change aspects, which is obviously critical as to why we take these efforts, but to focus on how many other companies out there are actually taking efforts towards becoming more green. 
And these are the companies we're trying to get their business. And so we have to understand that this movement has so much momentum that just from a straight business opportunity, we need to understand that this is where the market's going. And so we have to be competitive in this market. And if a company's taking on their own sustainability initiative, then they're going to be more likely wanting to work with a vendor who also is having a focus on that effort. But in terms of where CSR is going, uh, ultimately, it's about permeating responsibility across every business function. That's really what good CSR looks like. It's when it's not just this little own initiative that sits on the side, or it's not about how we spend a certain amount of money towards giving back to the community. It's about looking at all of our business practices and understanding how we can be ethical, how we can be socially conscious, how we can be thinking about our planet, and how we can be advancing uh, what's best for humanity. And I think that's a much bigger role for companies than has always been the case, which has been focused on profit. But I think it, you can see with just the way things are trending, you know, obviously more and more companies now are also becoming B Corps. That's a trending movement, which is exactly that, which is basically a playbook for how you can look across all your different functions and understand the steps that you can implement to try and achieve uh, a standard. And I think as we get more standards, we get more universal practice, we're able to also understand um, how to adopt those practices in an efficient way. And there's more capacity, there's more talent in the field. And so I think as those trends continue to percolate, we're just going to continue down the path of becoming more sustainable and more responsible in how we operate. Perfect. Could not agree more. Katie? Yeah, I agree with everything Adeep said. And I think with CSR, it's going to become, in terms of the future, not nice to have, but a must-have, that companies need to sort of look beyond um, themselves and determine, okay, how are we perceived in the community and how do we want to be perceived and what impact do we want to make? I think, um, particularly in light of last summer and the social justice protest, that made a lot of companies, including ours, look at ourselves and say, okay, how are we doing it? diversity, equity, and inclusion. What can we do better? What what changes need to happen? And it, it has to permeate the company, but also be supported by and articulated well by the C-suite and the leadership. So I think that's going to be crucial. Um, and also being transparent in reporting and the impacts and the goals that a company has. I think all that has to be something that's part of the company culture, part of what's talked about, part of what's focused on. So I, I agree with everything Adeep said in terms of becoming better at, at the sustainability and really everything that you do in terms of what has negative impacts or what we can do better. And then bringing along your workforce, your customers, and the general public. So I, I just, nowadays, I know with the uh, I did, and with Kayla, actually, we did the CSR certification course through um, B Civic and um, CU Denver. And I know the programs in terms of the, the opportunities for education and learning development, all that has grown too. And so I think more individuals will be getting into sort of this line of work, if for lack of a better way of saying it, and it's just going to continue to build. What about you, Kayla? Anything to add? I mean, completely echoing with everyone, I think we're definitely going to transition from a, um, a nice to have to what are you doing in the space of CSR, sustainability, DEI. I, I no longer think that things are going to have their own areas, but really embedded in all across 
the companies and, and what we are doing in this space. Um, I also think, you know, having getting to a place where our employees and our consumers are our biggest champions and advocates for what we are doing in our communities is going to be a very big thing. We want that now, but I think in the future, as we all continue to transition and evolve, um, we want to be known for the good that we're doing in the community. And last year, you know, for us, the, the transition has already started. We have a whole social justice initiative, which, um, launched last year, which was $1.5 million to support North American organizations dedicated to equality, empowerment, justice, and community building. But it was also very intentional for us that we engage our employees at a deeper level with organizations, local organizations in their communities that are really working in this space how are we bringing this education from these organizations to our company, to our employees, um, as this is a movement, not a moment. And so as we continue to work and progress in all of the different areas, I think we're going to see big transitions. And, and hopefully we are all leading the way, as I know Katie and Adib and many of our peers are doing such great work that I can't wait to see what everyone does. Yeah, I knew this was going to happen. We, we, we've you know spent our time and we've just kind of scratched the surface. I feel like we could do like a, a six-part series and you know focus on philanthropy and volunteerism and DEI and sustainability. Um, but it's all impressive and awesome information. And um, you know, for anybody listening, um, obviously we'd encourage you to look up the RK Foundation. We look up Molson Coors. Look up the Delta Dental Foundation of Colorado to get more ideas about. Um, what they're doing and how that may spark some ideas for your own companies. Um, also, of course, uh, encourage you to look up uh, Be Civic at BeCivic.org. They've got a ton of resources, uh, an employee engagement toolkit. They've got a disaster response toolkit. Um, so, you know, uh, obviously there's lots to learn. There's lots of ways to grow. And you guys are kind of shining beacons of that, of pushing the envelope and doing more uh, great things in our community. So thank you for that. Thank you for the time today. We, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, like we always mention, we like to end every episode with one cool thing. And, and I'm going to keep this one very simple because I think we've all experienced over the past few weeks, maybe even the last couple of months at this point, things opening back up, particularly for those people who are vaccinated and can get out and feel comfortable being in places, you know, restrictions are being lifted. And man, it just feels like a giant weight lifted off all of our collective shoulders. Uh, and while, you know, some people may be a little bit more comfortable getting out there quicker than others, um, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's the the, the one cool thing uh, that I'm taking away, at least right now. So um, if you liked what you heard, uh, go to goodandgrounded.com. Give us a listen. Find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you listen. Uh, like, share, uh, and let's get out there and, and do some great things in our Colorado communities. Thank you.